Democrats in the great states of Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon work collectively to make third-world-style elections great again, whereas Joe Biden proceeds to make, quote, big talk at the G20 summit while simultaneously surrendering all American dignity and authority to the Chinese. And finally, after eight days of intensive counting, Republicans take a slim majority in the U.S. House of Representatives. All these amazing topics and more on this next episode of The Good Fight. I am your host, Mark Bielman. That's Mark with a C. C stands for conservative. Stay with us. Well, hello and welcome to yet another exciting episode of The Good Fight. I am your host, Mark Bielman. That's Mark with a C. C stands for conservative. Now, I know what a lot of you wonderful fans and followers and listeners of The Good Fight are saying. Mark, it's been a while since your last episode. Well, that's true. And it's kind of humorous because I thought, you know, before I crank out another insightful episode of The Good Fight, I think it would be important for us to wait and see what some of the finalized results are in some of these swing states like Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon. Well, little did I know that that would mean waiting until 2023. So, in spite of none of the votes in those three states being finalized quite yet, and in spite of the fact that many news pundits have finally called the races in those states, here's how it does appear to be shaping up. In all three of these popular battleground states, I know this might sound strange, but every single election was just terribly close. Intensely close. As a matter of fact, it turns out the Democrats pretty much wiped the floor with what was supposed to be the red Republican wave. I guess it was the wave that wasn't, except that it was, but it wasn't. And why are you saying that? Mark, why are you talking like this? Well, one, I'm still recovering from an intense election in which counting never ends, and we just appear to keep counting until we get the results that we, who are the number one recipients of of government privilege, want. And that's kind of how things are shaping up. Now, for those who don't know, Democrat Tina Kotek edged out the Republican challenger, Christine Drazen, by a margin of about 60,000 votes. Now, remember in Oregon, there was a three-way race. We had three very dynamic ladies, kind of tough gals running for office. And strangely, Tina Kotek, as a Democrat candidate, managed to secure the same percentages of votes that her predecessors were able to secure, except for one minor little problem. We had a very popular and well-funded third-party candidate also running, and that third-party candidate, according to the data, took a little more than two out of three votes away from Democrats. So in spite of that, it's amazing how Tina Kotek managed to pretty much land in the same place Most Democrat governor candidates have landed in the past four elections. Yes, I wonder if that could cause people to question the integrity of our elections. I don't know. It could be totally legit. What is the good outcome that came out of the state of Oregon minus the bad outcome of having yet another woke, insane leader elected in spite of massive efforts by Republicans to compete and compete well. Well, there's this little organization called Battleground Oregon. And I know they've they've been a sponsor of this show, and I've mentioned them a few times. And Battleground Oregon has sponsored a lawsuit regarding election integrity that alleges that 
the behaviors of our current regime, I mean government here in the state of Oregon, and I want to include Nevada and Arizona as well because they are simultaneously engaging in a very similar model. And uh, strangely, they're still counting votes just like here in Oregon. I mean, you can't make this up, good fight. But what's interesting is, as these election counting tallies kept going and going, and all these races were too close to call, it caused a myriad of radio talk show hosts, not just conservatives, but even a few Democrats, yes, to say, you know, the fact that Florida was able to count, you know, 20 million votes in six hours and to declare the winners of, you know, nearly all their races securely and fairly. We did some math. Now, granted, math is bigoted and racist. So I hope you guys will forgive me as I use traditional old school math where two plus two equals four. If we add up the entire population of Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon, it's still less than the entire population of Florida and roughly similar to the, the number of people who actually voted in the great state of Florida. Yet Florida was able to count all those ballots in which none of the counting was allowed to start early. They counted 20 plus million votes in six hours, whereas Oregon is struggling to count a little less than 3 million votes, and it's been, uh, we're going on two weeks. Nevada, same story, but Nevada had a different twist. You see, apparently Harry Reid, God rest his soul, Democrat senator, he was the guy who got rid of the 60% requirement for nominating new Supreme Court justices under the Obama administration. But Harry Reid had somehow finagled the Nevada legislature into agreeing for the culinary union in Las Vegas to be the main work engine for collecting and processing ballots before any ballots get turned in to actual election officials who technically are supposed to be the ones in charge of running elections. Yes, fascinating as it might be, it's a sad, sad reality. Democrats managed to hold on in Nevada to that key Senate race and I don't know about you, but it's really strange because, man, the culinary union were the ones going out and ballot harvesting and also going out and visiting people whose signatures didn't match in the mail-in ballots. But strangely, all the data indicates they never went to any Republican people to clear up their signatures. Now, I don't know about you, but if you are contracted to facilitate a balloting collection and processing kind of staging process. And you are a biased public union, if you will, okay, the culinary union, which has stated positions telling its members to vote straight Democrat ticket. And then you don't go out and give equal effort to clarifying signatures, et cetera, and anomalies with both conservative and, and liberal, or shall we say progressive votes, I think that might cause people to say that maybe there's some bias going on and maybe our elections aren't fair. Now, you don't have to hear it from me, good fight. I'm not the one who said it. Nearly every talk radio host in the country has decided to pick up the very language that Battleground Oregon and folks like myself right here on this show have promulgated. So notice what the lawsuit in Oregon alleges. It doesn't allege voter fraud. It simply says that the behavior of the government, 
and the, the rules that they've set up to convey these never-ending elections in which the time it takes to count votes continues to grow massively, that the looseness of their standards and some of the relationships and contracts that they engage in are causing otherwise clear-minded people to say something doesn't seem right. So let me give you an example. In Oregon, counties are allowed to start counting ballots seven days before election day. Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't that mean that people in the elections office would get an early sneak peek at how things are shaping up and maybe that in that last week they might be able to rally some troops to address said trends? I don't know. I, it's very strange. But here's you don't have to worry because right here in the great state of Oregon, our Secretary of State, Shamia Fagan, said, and I quote, Yes, counties are allowed to start counting seven days ahead, but they're not allowed to share the results with anyone. That is security. You see, it's fascinating how people on the left, especially the woke folks, they truly believe that if you are employed in the government and you agree with their woke, progressive, communist, Marxist ideology, that it's impossible for you to be a bad actor. No, you see, achieving said status puts you on par with Gandhi, Martin Luther King, and dare I say, Jesus Christ. So I don't know about you, but I believe them. I believe that all of the thousands of election ballot counting people who are working in those counties and counting votes early, I believe they walk out of that building after a hard, rigorous day of early counting and tell absolutely no one what the results are shaping up to be like. I mean, I, I think that's believable, especially considering the fact that we're dealing with human beings and not computers. I think our elections are secure. But let me posit uh, a contrast here. You see, Democrats are making a big deal that the red wave was countered and it was more of a red seep or trickle. Well, the problem was is that nationwide in the popular vote, well over 5 million more people cast votes for Republican candidates nationwide than Democrat candidates. And even more strange was the fact that the last time something like this happened, it was a little over 2 million votes that were cast for conservative candidates. Except when the 2 million votes were cast back in 2010, there were 67 House seats that's changed hands. I know it's hard to believe, good fight, that folks on the communist Marxist left are capable of learning, but I'm here to say they are. So here, 5 million votes get cast more for conservative candidates nationwide. And yet, Strangely, the red wave doesn't appear to happen, or did it? Well, good fight, that's why you have me. You see, using the privilege of hindsight, coupled with the strength that only comes from sipping liquids from the my classic Wolkbane coffee mug, I am here to help you see the contrast that actually does exist. Because, see, the red wave was set up to happen, but it didn't happen simultaneously or ubiquitously across all states. So let's take a couple other battleground states. Let's take Iowa, Ohio, and Florida. Let's just take those three, all considered to be purplish states, except they passed laws that 
did things, especially in Florida, like ban mail-in balloting, ban ballot harvesting. But they made it very easy to register to vote and to participate in the voting process. In Florida, you can vote in person or you can do the the absentee process, which is a much more secure and rigorous form of mail-in balloting. And what's interesting is in Florida, they didn't just send out millions of ballots. They told people, if you want an absentee ballot, you have to ask for one. Woohoo! Now, 30-some-odd million people in Florida and well over 20-some-odd million people voted. I would say that that's a pretty good percentage. But you see, the thing in Florida that's interesting is you're not allowed to start counting votes until election night, but you are allowed to get them stacked and ready to run through the counting machines. So what's interesting is because they are not allowed to tabulate votes in Florida, they can do all of the work that they're allowed to do in states like Oregon and Nevada and Arizona, except know what the results are. The thing that's strange is let's take those three states where voter turnout from both parties was very, very high. But what were the results in Iowa, Ohio, Florida? Republicans were the clear victors. It was not a complete sweep, but it was a major sweep of Republican candidates at all levels up and down the ballot winning in states where it's easy to vote, but hard to cheat. Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, Mark, using that cheat word means that you're one of those evil election deniers. Well, actually, I'm not. What I'm saying is that processes matter. The way you structure things, the type of explanations you give, the type of rules you set up matter. So let me give an example. In Oregon, they passed a law about four years ago that said you can start counting seven days because they said that they wanted to have results ready on election night. Now, four years later, not only do they start counting seven days ahead, but it's been, you know, going on two weeks and we still do not have anywhere remotely close to our final tallies of votes, even though they slowly days later began calling elections like the governor race. Now, what does that cause people to do? It causes people to say, gee, this is really weird. So we're just going to keep counting ballots until somebody gets the result they want. So sure enough, You heard it on talk radio nationwide. They're out saying, we're not alleging fraud. We're saying that this causes people to think in terms that might be or seem conspiratorial, that the very behavior of these governments, especially in Arizona, Nevada, and Oregon, the way they've structured these uh, elections where ballots are everywhere, and even conceding that there are people that get multiple ballots sent to their home, but don't worry, they don't they won't count only one of their ballots will count even though they don't have a chain of custody in Oregon, Nevada or Arizona to actually accomplish that. These kinds of things cause people to lose confidence in the value of the voting process. The biggest threat to democracy is never-ending ballot counting. So, I'm hoping good fight. 2023 is coming up rather quick. It is my hope that Oregon, Nevada, and Arizona will certify their votes prior to 2023. Right now, Oregon is shooting for December 15th. However, the Oregon Republican Party has just filed two lawsuits of their own, simultaneous with the Great Battleground lawsuit, which is setting the narrative nationwide, causing people to say, you mean we don't have to prove voter fraud? We just have to say that all these nefariously strange, drawn-out elections are causing people to to feel disenfranchised, to lose confidence in the system. You see, 
Beautiful things like that have inspired many others to step up to the plate. So in Oregon, they filed a lawsuit because it turns out that under Oregon law and even public service announcements from Shamia Fagan, in which she told everyone, you can vote even by mail all the way up till 8 p.m. as long as your ballot is postmarked. The problem is, in Oregon, you don't have to pay for postage to mail your ballot in. The government does that. And it turns out that the post office treats it like bulk mail and doesn't postmark anything. Nice. Slow clap. Now, I don't know about you, but if the Secretary of State in Oregon saying you have to have your ballot postmarked by 8 p.m. on Election Day if you want it to count, and then turns around and says days after the election, well, not all those votes were postmarked, but we'll accept them anyway. And then it turns out that the administrative rule, written by Democrats in Oregon, by the way, said, well, if it's not postmarked, People can still turn it in up to 14 days after the election. Yes, you heard it here. 14 days, my friends. You know, it, we'll count it. So I don't know about you, but, you know, that's a long time. I, I think what Christine Drazen, the Republican who narrowly lost, should do is I think she should go out and just find out who didn't vote and go get her 60,000 votes. It makes perfect sense to me. However, I digress. Now, moving on. Yes, Joe Biden emboldened by what he is considering a, a narrow but solid victory as Democrats retain control of the Senate. And uh, Republicans, you know, had to wait to see if they were actually going to take control of the House. And during this moment, Joe Biden gets on the media and he says he stopped the export of certain kinds of superconductor chips out of the United States for fear that the Chinese would use them to strengthen the technological basis of its military. I mean, this guy's a tough talker here. Let me tell you the truth. The shift in policy that banned the exporting of semiconductor chips was not for fear that the Chinese would use it to strengthen their military. It was because there was a global shortage of semiconductor chips and we didn't want anybody exporting them from this country for fear that the Russians would use them because they desperately need them to make their cruise missiles that they're not able to make because they can't get chips. Now, maybe somebody in Joe Biden's administration said, oh, and the Chinese won't be able to get them either. Now, I don't know about you, but there's this little island off the coast of southern China. And it's a, it's a little nation that calls itself Taiwan. And it also happens to be the world's leading producer of high-tech semiconductors. And they just happen to be you know, a 50-year, 70-year, whatever, ally of the United States. So I, I don't know. Maybe we wanted the Taiwanese to send us their chips. And once they're here, we don't want to send them anywhere else. But nope, if you ask Joe Biden, he got really tough with the Chinese. Now, as if that was not bad enough, Joe Biden then said, hey, Xi, Xi Jinping, I want you to get the uh, the North Koreans and to stop shooting missiles. Now, I don't know. Last I checked, the Chinese were helping the North Koreans with their missile technology. So here, Joe Biden says, "You got to get them under control, or <clears throat> dun, 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 we will continue to keep troops in South Korea 
and we may even consider strengthening our forces in South Korea. Woo! Man, that is tough talk, considering that basically Joe Biden just described the very reality of the situation in Korea since the end of the Korean conflict in 1953. Yes, late post-election. And if I seem rummy, well, it's exhausting keeping up with all this stupid. But stupid is, it's the hallmark of our president, Joe Biden. Let's go, Brandon. However, in spite of all the best efforts of states on the West Coast, including this time in this particular situation, California, Yes, Republicans made gains, even in the state of California. Yet they kept delaying the ballot counting for days and days, finally announcing that all the results would come out on Wednesday and the Republicans will maintain a small lead in the House of Representatives, including Nancy Pelosi has summarily been fired from her position as House Speaker. Yes, McCarthy has announced a new era in rules for the House. Ready? You can choose whether or not to wear a mask. Yes, it's so nice to see that our leaders in Washington, D.C. are slowly catching up to where most Americans have been for, you know, a year or a year and a half. Most Americans have enjoyed being able to wear a mask if they want to or not. Because, you see, the COVID pandemic has been over for quite some time, but apparently it still exists in Washington, D.C. Matter of fact, COVID is so weak that now the CDC has announced a coalition of diseases, which are now the equivalent of what COVID once was. It's COVID RSV, which is a cold virus that tends to be kind of tough on children, and ready the traditional flu. I'm telling you. Oh, and don't forget monkeypox. You see, if you add all four together, hospitals may be overrun. Dun, dun, dun. Great job, CDC. Way to inspire hope. Yes. So Oregon gained a congressional district in the last census. And so they had to redistrict and they created new lines. And there was a district called District 5. It's not a new district per se. The new district in Oregon is District 6. But in District 5, we had a wonderful candidate named Lori Chavez Dreamer running for U.S. House of Representatives in a mildly plus three Democrat district of CD5. And thanks to the efforts of so many patriots and freedom-loving people, she beat the pants off her competitor. And in Oregon, you got to understand, if you win by 2% as a Republican... You pulled off a minor miracle. So Lori chavez Dreamer has secured a, a second Republican seat. She will join Cliff Bentz so that two of the six representatives from Oregon will be conservative Republicans, patriot-loving people, people who love faith, family, and freedom. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. So I want to wish Lori well. I was a big supporter of her campaign. I also want to thank the National Republican Party for finally choosing to send some money to Oregon. They were very supportive of Lori Dreamer's candidacy. They saw the value of her as a candidate, and uh, they shelled out 
a few uh, dollarinos, if you will, to the tune of uh, several million dollars. What we found out is that when Republicans pick good candidates who have good messages and they are funded and given good support, not only can they compete in Oregon, as Lori just proved, they can win. So, good fight. In the next episode, I'm going to highlight in detail some of the lawsuits that are pending here in Oregon, uh, designed to use the court system, if you will, to help influence a little more efficient form of elections for our beautiful West Coast state. And again, I want to thank Battleground Oregon for their consistent support of this podcast. I want to encourage everyone to go to the In the Good Fight website, the debut of the great and classic Wokebane Stein and Wokebane coffee mugs. You can go, you can shop. They make great Christmas gifts. We got the holidays coming up. So don't be afraid to check out the merch and support this podcast. And with that, I'm going to end. God bless you. Good fight. And I'm here to tell you that we as conservatives are winning this fight. It is only a matter of time. So keep all eyes on Oregon. God bless. Until next time. Can we set aside our differences? Can we set each other free to pursue our lives and happiness? Explore our liberty, a life of grace, peace, and mercy, where truth and beauty are held dear. We have a common enemy, spirits of hate and fear.